Welcome to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asfalis Advisors and the Disaster Recovery Journal. Crisis management in today's world is ever-changing, and this podcast is our commitment to help you navigate successful outcomes for any crisis you may face. I'm your host, Vanessa Matthews. I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis, continuity, and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Fred Cartwright. But before we get started, I wanted to share a few resilience resources and reminders. The Disaster Recovery Journal hosts a new webinar every Wednesday, so please be sure to check the the show notes to find the link for this week's webinar. And as Fallis News, the Road to Resilience program is available as well as upcoming public speaking opportunities. So please feel free to check our website to find out more information in the show notes. And lastly, if you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a review on, on Apple Podcasts. This helps more listeners to find us, and it also lets us know that we're adding value for you for these podcasts. All right, so let's jump right in and meet our guest. His name is Fred Cartwright. We're going to be talking about the intersection of logistics and crisis management. He is the Director of of Engineered Solutions with Haversack. Fred, nice to see you today. Nice to see you today. Thank you for uh, having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, so this podcast is going to be more of a just a conversation like we typically have, where we just kind of go back and forth discussing logistics and crisis management um, as we are, uh, you know, at the tail end of 2021, walking into 2022. There's always a conversation about about supply chain and how it will affect businesses in the future. So before we dive into the topic, Fred, can you share a little bit about your background with our subscribers and really how you got into the field of logistics? Absolutely. Thank you so much again for for having me on. Um, You know, I've been in this field for 18 years, uh, working in various aspects of the supply chain from the logistics, um, supply chain and transportation roles. I worked with some uh, big names like Honeywell, Best Buy, BMW, and Coca-Cola Consolidated here in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where I I currently live. Um, How I got into this this industry was kind of unique. I was actually studying music uh, for most of my time in college, and then, um, but uh, I worked at uh, FedEx International um, in college part time at night. I'd go to class during the day take a little snooze during class and then, uh, you know, throw some boxes at the airport at night. And uh, I mean, you know, it just gets into your skin. I think uh, I've heard that from a lot of people. It's the best way to describe it. Like logistics just kind of gets, it stays with you. And I I never left. That's what I've been doing my whole career. Um, And, uh, you know, various levels, various aspects, and uh, I've enjoyed it all for sure. Awesome. <laughs> um, music class to logistics. Yep. <laughs> That's an interesting path. <laughs> so can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what, you know, what are you currently seeing 
in the market from a supply chain perspective? And that's probably very broad, but I like to kind of go broad and then let's narrow in. Yeah, I mean, I'd go through a couple of different, uh, you know, developments right now from a crisis standpoint. Uh, you know, obviously, the pandemic uh, is the, the first one, right? I mean, that's just, it's, it's largely disruptive. It's just kind of hanging around, right? Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussions and, and a lot of the people that um, uh, and the resources that companies would go to to gather intel on how long is this shortage going to last or how long is this impact going to disrupt my supply chain, those forecasting types of individuals and resources are having trouble figuring out when the end of this is going to be, right? When do, when do things stabilize, right? And that is not a question that I can answer either. I think that it's, uh, we're looking at years before things stabilize only because you have the uh, the normal disruptions that occur um, that were going to occur whether there was a pandemic or not. And then you throw the pandemic on top of it, um, and there's a lot of uh, variety there. But uh, an example of some of uh, an example of that would be the semiconductor shortage. Uh, you might have heard of uh, the chip shortages that are going on in the electronics industry um, that have that spill into automotive industries, uh, smartphones, all those types of things. We've got, uh, you know, GM shut down all their plants for two weeks, right? Uh, Volvo and other companies have done similar thing, things because they don't have the chips and they're waiting for the supply chain to catch up. Uh, the plants overseas uh, that, that make these chips, um, the demand is higher than it's ever been. Throw the pandemic on top of that and uh, it's just about as chaotic as you can imagine, right? Um, so um, a lot of these companies are scrambling, trying to come up with a new solution, but obviously they're, they're in a pinch right now and there's not much you can do except for try to move some things around and, and uh, you know, and work through that. Uh, another thing that, um, that, that, is, that we're experiencing is some of the international uh, shipping arena, uh, which means that he's got a lot of companies uh, are manufacturing items overseas and they need those items picked up. And uh, they're having trouble getting those things picked up in a timely manner. A lot of it rides on ships. Um, so there's delays getting into the vessel. The vessels are late because the ports are overloaded uh, in whatever country they're going to. And, and we're experiencing that heavy in the United States now. Um, ves vessels are just circling the ports, waiting for their time to come in. So all that freight, everybody's freight is coming in late. It's all hot. That's, so that is creating mass chaos as far as... Uh, some companies. I was talking to a large uh, sh shipper here locally, and they were telling me that there's certain products that they have sold on the, on the sales side and um, some key innovations that they have provided to the market. However, they can't get their products, right? And so the customers are basically saying, look, I'm just going to buy this other product from this other client because I can get it faster. You know, they have it on the shelves. I can't get my product here in time. So, I mean, what do you do in that situation now? It's, there's a lot of, that's just one example of that. Um, but, you know, as those the vessels arrive here to the U.S. and those, those uh, products come off, off the ships and are trucked to their destinations, right? I mean, then you have a, a high demand for, um, you know, the trucking industry, um, on-time deliveries, just-in-time deliveries, expedites, all those types of things. Everything is hot um, to every client, whether it be, um, you know, a manufacturer that needs to complete it for a component shortage or um, some kind of goods that need to deliver to somebody's house, residence, right? Everything's hot. 
right? So um, that's creating a, a, um, some disruptions there and a lot of crisis there. And that generates that domestic competition, which in some ways you might say is a good thing. However, that creates crisis for some of these other logistics companies. For example, um, you know, I just ordered some batteries here about five minutes ago before I started recording this podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I can order from Amazon today and they're going to deliver to my house today. Um, you know, so you think about that in, in the, the Amazon effect, right? And how that is, is creating a change in the supply chain industry. It's really great that I can do that. And I, I totally take part in that. However, that has ripples uh, through other logistics companies and their resources and how they're set up in their designs, right? Some business that potentially those companies have relied on is, is not going to be there, sort of like the Walmart effect, right? So that that creates the need for companies to build some agility yeah. and, uh, you know, those types of challenges. Awesome. Uh, you said a lot. Um, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to go back and pull on a few of those. So yeah. one question is, as you think about the things that you talked about from a shipping perspective to parts that are manufactured overseas, um, to even people who are just not coming to work because of whatever reason, you know, whether it be COVID or something else, um, are, are you seeing anything that might be more industry specific versus another? So for example, like healthcare is super dependent on a global supply chain, aviation, cars, right? Are you seeing any industries that have any trends for some of the things that you talked about today? Yeah, I would say from um, the latest, uh, I guess, crisis from 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 where I sit um, and, and uh, getting the most noise and notice is, is that automotive impact, right? Um, you know, with a chip shortage, that is what everybody's talking about. It's, it's creating uh, there's a lot of money tied up into the automotive industry, all aspects of it. You think about all the suppliers for these plants, making these parts, all the staff that needs to do that. You shut down for two weeks. Um, you know, that creates a lot of disruption there, you know, a lot of costs um, that are not covered, right? You have all these people that are working for you labor force wise on the supply front and the, the manufacturing front and, and all these types of things. So it's definitely has a ripple, ripple down effect. Um, and it's driving up the, the used car uh, sales here domestically, you know, as a result of that. And so then the demand's higher than the costs are higher. So then people that aren't even, they don't even care if there's a chip shortage right now, because they don't want to buy a new car. Well, if you want to buy a used car, um, the costs are the higher, and then think about the impacts to to fuel and other other you know intrinsic um, type of ripples in, impacts that, that may occur down the, further down the line. So, I think that automotive thing is is larger than it's. I mean, we're starting to see it with the chips, and I think that it, this is just the beginning. Unfortunately, if you read about it, it's really interesting because there's not really a clear line like, hey this is going to end here because we're going to magically come up with a bunch of new chips, right? Uh, it takes a long time to add manufacturing uh, in order to sustain, to build out, especially with the, the, the staffing shortages you mentioned um, in some of these countries and the, the COVID lockdowns, you know, it's not like it's just free reign. Hey, we'll fly a bunch of labor in. We can't, you know, they, those things are, are not readily available. So there's a lot of challenges in the automotive sector. Absolutely. Okay. So in our world, uh, you know, in terms of helping companies to be more, 
you know, resilient as I think about our, our subscribers, some things that we might typically do are an exercise with your key suppliers that you depend on. Um, they may assess vendor risk before you bring a vendor into the, the company. What are, you know, what, what do you depend on for? What's the service level agreement? Do they have a business continuity plan and a cyber plan and a, you know, a disaster recovery plan? So those are some things that we know in our field from a technical perspective, but I'm interested in, in your thoughts as a logistics specialist and a guru, if I can call you that, um, how can companies really prepare their supply chains to actually be more resilient? And for me, what that means is resiliency is all about absorb the impact, bounce back like a basketball, right? You don't want to throw a ball on the ground and it doesn't bounce. You want it to throw it and it bounces. So how can companies really prepare their supply chains? Right. That's great. Um, yeah, no, I, I like what you said about the, and I had, uh, was thinking about this earlier, that the risk assessment, contingency planning, all that type of thing, that's really critical in each line of your business. And that includes supply chain, right? Uh, understanding what those risks are, sitting in a room for hours and writing all the risks out. I mean, it's crucial. It's missed a lot of times, but, and, and really thinking through, okay, what would we do in this type of situation? What would we do? You know, and um, and it's really important. So that uh, that piece, but I guess rewinding, I would say the first thing as I would say, it's kind of a funny thing, I would say offer a competitive product. And so that means um, in today's market, thinking ahead to tomorrow's market, is, is our product viable? I've seen a lot of companies have had to totally pivot due to COVID and other types of things that they have encountered, right? And so making sure before you lock everything and invest a ton of money and resources and planning management and all that kind of stuff, making sure you have a competitive product, uh, sourcing domestically when possible. So whenever you're building products and, and doing that planning phase, making sure that you're sourcing it in the U.S. Uh, and, and that is, you know, I take pride in the U.S., made in the U.S.A. I love that stuff. However, this is not just to eliminate the, the resources we have in other countries. It's 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 purely a logistical you know a step that you're removing on the international supply chain challenge side, right? So if it's possible and you have to pay a little bit more, uh, or if you're going to set up multi layers of sourcing, make sure that that second and third layer of sourcing, as part of your plan, it can actually do it. Right. Um, so if you have a supply 80 miles away, that is your third down the line, but they really can't do what you're doing, then they're not really on your list. So uh, those are a couple of things, forecasting and planning, making sure that you financially forecast and plan your orders, get that input from your sales group. That's really crucial to try to tie that head, plan ahead, get your manufacturing ahead of your demand. So you're, you know, you're not caught in the wayside. And then, you know, my, my favorite is find a good transportation provider, find a good company that really cares about, and this is my Haverside plug, uh, find, find a good company that really cares about the, the, your end client's needs and uh, reducing your costs and establish competitive rates. I mean, that's, that's what it's going it's, to, it's what's going to happen. And there's a lot of volatility out there in the rate world. And that's, it, it's really hurting the financial aspects of some companies because they, they can't, they're having trouble forecasting it or they, they misforecasted it, right? Um, and so it's kind of out of control right now. So that's just a short list of some things that companies can do to have, help their supply chains be a little more resilient. I learned a lot from you. Um, my question is my last question, what resources can you point our subscribers to, to stay abreast of the boatload of information that you just provided? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, um, obviously I, I work for a company called Haversack offering logistics uh, consulting solutions. Check us out at gohaversack.com. Um, you know, there are a plethora of resources out there. Um, you know, I would go to uh, dat.com, D-A-T, um, and, and that'll give you some inputs on some of the, um, that's uh, one of the resources I can think of, but um, yeah, so uh, those are just a couple, I guess. Awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast brought to you by Espalis Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.